Once again, good afternoon, everyone. You're listening to Red Pill 78. As always, my name is Zach Payne, the Corruption Detector, and this is another edition of Red Pill News. I hope you all are having a lovely day. We've got quite a few interesting subjects to touch on today. First of all, we're going to be looking at the origins of Ultra MAGA. You will not believe how long the Democrats worked on this goldmine of a slogan that we're all putting to very good use. I've also got a special announcement about that personally. Then we're going to be looking at some COVID-19 trials by the government. These are not vaccine trials, but rather trials on how to determine the best possible messaging to guilt you into taking that COVID-19 vaccine. Thank God so many people have woken up in America recently. Then, of course, we're going to be touching on the latest in the Michael Sussman trial. This is day three. We've got an update on the uh, people who took the stand yesterday, as well as decisions that came down from the judge this morning that are both good for the prosecution and, of course, good for the defense. And then finally, we'll be taking a look at a very telling Freudian slip from former President George W. Bush. You're not going to want to miss it. So do me a favor, sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and we'll be right back after this. You know, it's harder than ever today to lose weight, and that's not just because we have all these temptations around us, candy in the aisles at the stores, junk food on every corner, fast food everywhere you turn. A lot of our weight gain is out of our control, and that's because after the age of 20, for example, your metabolism slows down by as much as 4% each decade. And that's why I highly recommend this amazing keto powder. This amazing product has helped me to lose weight better than anything else I've ever tried. There's also thousands of other users out there who say they've experienced the exact same thing. And that's because it helps to increase the level of ketones in your body, which helps to combat the effects of a slowed metabolism. Ever since I started taking it, my weight loss has been so much easier to control. And if you're looking for an amazing way to support your own weight loss, then you're going to love Keto with Red Pill. And you can try it today for up to 51% off by going to ketowithredpill.com. Or you can always click the link below. And remember, when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. Americans have a choice right now between two paths, reflecting two very different sets of values. My plan attacks inflation and grows the economy by lowering costs for working families, giving workers well-deserved raises, reducing the deficit by historic levels, and making big corporations and the very wealthiest Americans pay their fair share. The other path is the ultra-MAGA plan. You know what? For once, I absolutely agree with Joe Biden. You do have two decisions you can make. You can either take the path of the party that destroyed America, the party that stole the election in 2020, the party that fights to kill babies both in the womb and after they've been born, the party of high gas prices, the party of baby formula shortages, the party of what is essentially complete destruction of America and all the gains that Donald Trump made for us in the four years he was in office. Or you can go with the ultra MAGA path. And I'm pleased to say that the ultra MAGA collection is available. Available from my friends at Rise Attire USA. They're the same people who have brought you some of the awesome designs I've worn on the show before, like this one. This is the uh, Red Pill Wave shirt, or they have a whole collection based upon the Ultra MAGA path. And I showed this earlier today. 
on Occam's Razor, but I wanted to make sure I told you guys about this as well, because some of you don't watch the live streams. You can get this Ultra MAGA apparel in a variety of different designs. They have uh, T-shirts that are in men's, women's, and kids. They also have these awesome hoodies with color in the hoodie. You can even get your own print of that painting that I just showed you. It's in a limited edition of 10. That price you see on the website does include free shipping. You click that, and it takes you to Etsy, where you actually uh, go ahead and cash out. Uh, they also have long sleeve tees, which have the Ultra MAGA on the uh, the sleeves there, and uh, just a whole bunch of awesome designs. And of course, they have the uh, the the rest of the Rise Attire designs on the website as well. They have stuff from iPod, stuff from Methods, uh, stuff from Woke Societies, and a whole bunch of other great people from the movement. Now, before we get into the rest of the news, I wanted to briefly show you something about the uh, creation of the Ultra MAGA term. If you ask me, Ultra MAGA is the best advertising slogan given to us for free by the Democratic Party in recent memory. And just the staggering truth of it is that Joe Biden and the Democrats worked on the creation of the Ultra MAGA slogan for six months. They did six months of research trying to test the best slogan uh, that would somehow make Republicans believe that choosing a Joe Biden presidency would be better than choosing a Donald Trump presidency again even though we have uh, nearly a year and a half of real life examples of how Joe Biden and the Democrats have literally destroyed America. And of course, I'm not the only person putting it on T-shirts. The Republican House campaign arm is also putting Ultra MAGA on T-shirts. My friend Matt Couch is also putting Ultra MAGA on T-shirts. But it just was absolutely mind blowing to me that they would spend that much time and waste that much money to determine that Ultra MAGA would be good for Joe Biden to put out there. The only thing is, it wasn't good for him. It was good for us. It took Republicans just a couple of days to start putting it on T-shirts and using it for fundraising sales. The House Republicans are not the only ones in politics using the Ultra MAGA slogan. The House GOPs have given away 1,000 Ultra MAGA shirts. Uh, I've seen a whole bunch of people, including President Trump's Save America pack, also giving away Ultra MAGA T-shirts for donations. There is literally unlimited sources of apparel and swag that you can now get ultra MAGA on, and I think uh, people are pretty happy about it. Now, although this was not a good slogan for Joe Biden and the Democrats, uh, the fact that they worked on it for six months or so uh, to put this out is really not all that surprising. In fact, I just learned earlier today from my good friend Scott Kesterson that Anthony Fauci and the United States government, as well as Yale University, who actually uh, compiled this study, which you can find at clinicaltrials.gov, they worked really hard and they spent a lot of money to determine what messaging would be best to deliver to the American public to convince them that getting the COVID-19 vaccine would be the best idea. So what they did is they broke these 4,000 participants into groups and uh, they gave each one a specific message on COVID-19 so that they could determine what would be the most effective if they uh, did end up rolling it out. Obviously, they, they went ahead with it and they uh, and they went full force. Uh, but these included messaging on uh, how the safety and effectiveness of the vaccine is a good reason to get it uh, about the personal freedom and the economic freedom. Your personal freedom is being infringed because of COVID-19. The economic freedom of America is being destroyed because of COVID-19, as well as messaging on your own self-interest, why getting the vaccine is good for you, messaging on the community aspect, how getting the vaccine would be good for your community. This is something we heard quite often. 
I'm not getting it for myself. I'm getting it for everybody else. We don't want everybody else to get sick. Uh, the economic benefits, of course, how the economy is not working as strongly as it should because we're we're shut down again. That was because of politicians and that was because of the pharma companies telling us that the only way we could get better or the only way that we can move forward as a nation is if we got vaccinated. Uh, the one that was interesting to me was the guilt, the embarrassment and the anger. They produced messaging uh, suggesting that people might feel guilty if they didn't get the vaccine and the disease spread around. The same was true with the uh, embarrassment and the anger. Would you be embarrassed if people didn't get the vaccine and then it was spread? Or how angry would you feel if you didn't get the vaccine and other people got the uh, the disease? Uh, and then what seemed to work the best, it looks like, is the trust in science. They suggested to people in this line of messaging that vaccines are backed by science and that if you don't get the vaccine, that means you don't understand how infections are spread or that you ignore the science. And then finally, bravery. It described how firefighters, doctors, and frontline medical workers were brave, and those who choose not to get the vaccine against COVID-19 are not brave. So essentially what this shows to me is just the absolute insidious nature of the propaganda machine that is uh, inherently present within the United States government, especially when we go down to the outcome measures of all of these statements. They wanted to measure uh, people's willingness to get the vaccine after reading any number of these uh, various emotional questions that they were asking people about how they would feel about people who didn't get the vaccine. Uh, so they wanted to see, first of all, how likely would people be to get the vaccine uh, once it became available. Uh, they also wanted to measure people's confidence in the vaccine based upon these various messages. Uh, they also wanted to see how likely they would be to persuade others to get the vaccine based upon this messaging. And what was really insidious to me, uh, they wanted to measure the actual fear of the people who had not been vaccinated, a measure of comfort with an unvaccinated individual visiting an elderly friend after the vaccine becomes available, and even worse, social judgment of those who do not vaccinate. This is a um, scale composed of four items measuring trustworthiness, selfishness, likableness, and competence of those who chose not to get vaccinated after it became available. All of these things we saw on full display from the mainstream media and from the radical left establishment who was out there on Twitter and, and Facebook uh, trying to shame people into getting the vaccine, making them feel as if they were less of a person, as if their choice not to get the vaccine was somehow going to uh, murder the entire planet. Uh, it just goes to show you how much people are manipulated and how good the government is at manipulating people through messaging. So pay close attention to the way people are speaking to you. Pay very close attention to the way the government tries to phrase things and, and deliver things to you, especially from the talking heads on the mainstream media. All right. And next, it is with a great level of regret that I report to you guys. Madison Cawthorn did not make it through his primary challenge this Tuesday in North Carolina. Of course, his defeat comes in the wake of him admitting on a podcast that there is rampant cocaine use and orgies uh, taking place in Republican leadership. That doesn't surprise me at all. And it doesn't surprise me that a special interest group went after him spending something like $3 million in the weeks before the election to get him taken down through a series of smear campaigns. Uh, what is really disturbing is that they are now setting their sights on Lauren Boebert. 
I'm sure that Marjorie Taylor Greene is probably going to be next. Now, Madison Cawthorn was the victim of revenge porn. Uh, He was the victim of a smear campaign of a variety of different types. Both Republicans and Democrats went after him viciously after his admissions of sexual activities and drug abuse came out on that podcast. Now, One thing that's strange is that the uh, smear campaign that resulted in the revenge porn video being leaked out was never investigated by the FBI, although it is, in fact, a very serious federal crime. And when it happens to a sitting member of Congress, you would think they would go after it pretty quickly. Uh, But it's really not all that surprising when you realize that Madison Cawthorn was a staunch supporter of President Trump. He was 100 percent MAGA. He had been very outspoken about the culture in Washington, D.C., and of course, anybody who speaks the truth is in danger of losing their position, their station, or perhaps even sometimes their life. Now, the spokesperson for Madison Cawthorn, Micah Bach, went on Newsmax shortly after the defeat, and he said that the Republican establishment in North Carolina gloated after they defeated him at the polls on Tuesday, and now that same group is looking to go after Lauren Boebert. Now, David Wheeler is the founder of American Muckrakers Pack. He's the group that uh, went after Madison Cawthorn. He said, I think we're going to go after Lauren Bobert in Colorado in a similar way. They've launched a website entitled FireBobert.com. They're out there actively seeking information, pictures, videos, or documents on Lauren Bobert and her associates, and they seek to do the exact same thing to her. They said, Representative Bobert, ask Cawthorn about us. We look forward to getting to know you. Now, one of the things I've often said is that there's no way that people can use your past against you if you are the one who owns it. So if you have skeletons, in your closet, if there are things out there that uh, you think that might be damaging to you in the future, then you need to own it. Everybody has the right to make a mistake. All of us are only human. Every single one of us makes mistakes. Everyone has something in their past that they wish they hadn't done or wish they hadn't said. But if you realize that you're human and that you have done things that you can atone for, you ask for forgiveness and you move on. And that way, as long as it's not hidden deep dark into some closet in the background, nobody's going to be able to use it against you. Uh, I think you'd be really hard pressed to find somebody who was absolutely perfect, who lived the entirety of their adult life, not doing something that they wish that they didn't have to apologize for. So no matter what they do against Lauren Boebert, I think she's very popular. And I think that hopefully the people of Colorado will continue to support her. All right. And next, moving on to the trial of Michael Sussman. Recently, we've had a number of pretty distressing decisions made by the Obama appointed Judge Chris Cooper. Earlier today, he denied a request from prosecutors to remove a juror from the panel because it turns out that her daughter and Michael Sussman's daughter, the defendant, are on the crew team together at a local college. I don't know which that would be, uh, but this is juror number five, and this is coming out of the Epic Times. Uh, Judge Cooper has not given us a reason as to why he uh, decided not to remove this juror, uh, but it doesn't surprise me all that much because he's also allowed people onto the jury pool who worked for Hillary Clinton in phone banks, uh, people who financially supported Hillary Clinton and AOC both. I think it's kind of difficult to get away from Democrats when you're in Washington. Washington, D.C. But again, as I stated the other day, the prosecution appears to be fairly confident in their case and all of the witnesses they're bringing forward are really making it difficult for the jurors to do anything but convict Michael Sussman. Uh, we had a couple of high profile people testify very recently, including uh, Mark Elias. Mark Elias was essentially the attack dog for Hillary Clinton. Uh, James Baker also testified.
testified. Coming up, we have testimony from Robbie Mook. He is testifying tomorrow for the defense. Uh, we also have evidence of Christopher Steele's meetings with Sussman and Fusion GPS from July of 2016. Also, we have evidence showing that he was tasked to conduct this research on Alpha Bank, and the judge said that all of this evidence can come on in. The judge also observed that this evidence is relevant to Mr. Sussman's activities for the campaign and his attorney-client relationship. That would be his relationship between himself and Hillary Clinton and Hillary for America. Uh, and also that all of this information relates to the work with Alpha Bank that he was doing to try to frame President Trump. Now, although we have that decision from the judge not to remove that juror, we also have this decision from the judge to deny Michael Sussman's defense team a motion for a mistrial. They were also hoping to have Mark Elias's testimony revised uh, because they claim that it's prejudicial uh, and they don't like what he said. Uh, and then they wanted to hand that over to the jury to have them review it and uh, use that when making their decisions. Let's go ahead and take a look at that testimony from Mark Elias and uh, how it played out yesterday. So we begin with the testimony of Deborah Fine. Deborah Fine was an employee of Hillary for America. That was the campaign for electing Hillary Clinton as president. Uh, and she was one of several deputy general counsels. She started back of May of 2016. She answered directly to Mark Alliance, who was, of course, the general counsel for the campaign. During the course of her testimony, she was presented with calendar entries that confirmed her daily calls with Fusion GPS. Obviously, there was uh, a lot of very close work going on with Fusion GPS, And she testified that she worked with them as part of her work with the campaign. This further goes to show that relationship between Fusion GPS and Hillary Clinton's campaign directly. Uh, she also said she regularly interacted with Glenn Simpson and co-founder Peter Frisch. She then conceded that Fusion GPS was seemingly free to conduct research of their own, and she stated that she personally did not direct them. So there was clearly additional stuff that Fusion GPS was going to be doing outside of the direct contact with Hillary Clinton's campaign. Now, on cross-examination, she admitted she did not know if Mark Elias spoke to anybody else at the Clinton campaign about the activities that Fusion GPS was coordinating, uh, and that she was out of the loop regarding any efforts to bring Alpha Bank allegations to the New York Times or to the FBI. Moving on to the testimony of Laura Siegel. Laura Siegel worked for Fusion GPS back in 2016, and while she was there, she reported directly to Fritch and to Simpson. She has been granted immunity by the special counsel for her testimony, so I think it's fair to say that it's possible she could have implicated herself in a variety of crimes. She understood that Mark Elias was Fusion GPS's contact for the Clinton campaign, again, further going to stress that relationship between Fusion GPS and Clinton. Stigo stated she was present at a meeting in the summer of 2016 that took place with Mark Elias, Peter Frisch from Fusion GPS, Mr. Sussman, and Mr. Sussman's client, Rodney Jaffe. Now, at that meeting, the general purpose, to the best of my recollection, was to discuss allegations of communications between the Trump organization and Alpha Bank. Now, once the allegations regarding Alpha Bank had been developed, Laura Sego met with journalist Franklin Four, who would write that original October 31st, 2016 Alpha Bank article that was published in Slate. And the purpose of that meeting was to discuss those allegations of communication between President Trump, his organization, and Alpha Bank.
Alpha Bank. Apparently, that meeting took place at Mr. Four's home, and also at that meeting was Jake Berkowitz of Fusion GPS, as well as Peter Frisch. It was at that meeting that they sold Four on the Alpha Bank data, telling him they were highly credible computer scientists who had developed the information, and they seemed to think these allegations were credible. Now, of course, those credible computer scientists would ultimately be cited in Four's article, and Laura admitted that Fusion GPS did nothing to validate those DNS records. She said it was something beyond her capabilities. Siegel was then walked through a number of emails that she had with Rodney Jaffe and other people working there at Fusion GPS. Now, some of these emails were privileged, so the special counsel was unable to discuss the direct nature of those emails with Laura Siegel. However, she did say that the contents of the emails with Jaffe generally were about the broader research uh, taking place to connect Trump with Alpha Bank. And what was very important is that she finally did admit to understanding whose interests were being served by planting that Alpha Bank story. The prosecutor asked, you understood that this Alpha Bank work was related to the broader project for Perkins Coy and the Democratic entity. And she said yes. Now, of course, Democratic entity, that would be Hillary for America. Now, getting on to Mark Elias's testimony. Elias frequently met with Fusion GPS, generally weekly at his office. Typically, the leaders of Fusion GPS, Peter Frisch and Glenn Simpson, would both be in attendance. And those meetings involved discussion of Elias's needs and Fusion GPS's work. Now, that included what Elias described as the unusual connections the Trump campaign had with Russia. They also reported to Elias their findings related to Trump during the election, all the dirt they were digging up, of course, the lies that they were creating as well. Now, notably, in the course of his testimony, Mark Elias had mentioned that Jake Sullivan was someone on the Clinton campaign who knew ahead of time about the Trump-Russia research, even though there is a bit of uncertainty as to whether Sullivan knew about Fusion GPS's activities in their entirety. But Elias would then go on to give the campaign uh, some updates about this story. He said there were occasions when you would brief those people, mentioning Jake Sullivan. He said, absolutely. Now, it's also worth mentioning so that we get the full information here. Jake Sullivan's wife is Margaret Goodlander, who is currently serving as general counsel to Attorney General Merrick Garland. It's been said that Goodlander has not recused herself from anything having to do with the special counsel's investigation. And it's also been said that Goodlander is keeping close tabs on Durham's investigation, as we would expect, because, of course, she does doesn't want her husband to go to jail. Well, anyways, continuing on, Elias testified that the Clinton campaign paid them, that would be Perkins Coy, a flat fee for their legal services. This is important because it explains why Sussman would block bill the Clinton campaign. Block billing is having a multiple hour entry with just a generalized description rather than a detailed description for every single hour that was worked. So as an example, six and a half hours on confidential project, that would be this project right here. For that flat fee work, attorneys are generally allowed to do block billing because the client isn't paying an hourly rate. It's a lump sum for a certain number of hours. It was at this point that the special counsel's team took Mark Elias through a number of very important billing entries and emails that directly involved Michael Sussman. These included meetings with Mark Elias, uh, meetings with Joffe and with Fusion GPS, and they all involved the Alpha Bank allegations. The special counsel was hoping to prove that Michael Sussman was was billing his time on the Alpha Bank work directly to the Clinton campaign, and I think he actually uh, was able to show that. 
Uh, in questions to Mark Elias, the meeting occurred in your office and Mr. Sussman billed it to the firm's client, the Clinton campaign. Elias replied, yes. In another question, Mr. Sussman billed that meeting between you, Rodney, between you, Rodney and Sussman to the Clinton campaign. And again, yes, it appears he did. Another question. Who did Mr. Sussman bill the call, the apparent call with Rodney to? And that would be the Clinton campaign, Hillary for America. And then we move on to the Slate article that infamous Slate article. Michael Sussman told Mark Elias that the Alpha Bank data had been provided to the media. And after the Slate article was published, Elias forwarded on to the campaign. Why would the campaign want to know about it? Well, it's because they were directly involved in the creation of this hoax story. Who did he send it to? Jake Sullivan, Robbie Mook, John Podesta, Jenna Palmieri, all of the people who claim and who have made sworn affidavits stating that Fusion GPS was providing legal work. We know that that is a lie. Mark Elias further offered why he would have briefed the Clinton campaign about this Alpha Bank matter. He also admitted he had discretion to instruct Fusion GPS to pursue leads and take investigative steps without talking to the Clinton campaign. And then in cross-examination, some notable comments from Elias include an email from Robbie Mook to Elias forwarding an article discussing that reporters at the New York Times were working on this Alpha Bank story. Sussman did not seek Elias's authorization or permission to go to the FBI. He couldn't recall anyone with the Clinton campaign telling Sussman to go to the FBI. Uh, He also stated he was frustrated with the FBI for not doing a particularly helpful job in investigating or doing anything to prevent the leaks of the DNC emails. Uh, And then on redirect to Mark Elias, we learned that Fusion GPS did not need to consult with him before sharing information with the media. Also, Elias admitting that the existence of an investigation by the FBI could prompt news stories to come out, which indicates that perhaps that's the reason they went to the FBI uh, at the same time they were going to the media. They were hoping to create this kind of uh, vicious cycle. They go to the media. They can't get the media to report the story because there's nothing legitimate there. So they go to the FBI. The media learns. There is an investigation by the FBI, and therefore they jump on the story. And then finally, the last witness of the day was former FBI general counsel James Baker. Baker was the one who was initially approached by Michael Sussman in September of 2016 with these Alpha Bank allegations. He had said, I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of a client or company. Baker uh, stated in his testimony that he was surprised Michael Sussman had obtained his cell phone number. They agreed to meet at his office the next day, and that point is where the testimony ended. Looks like we're going to pick up at a later point with the testimony of James Baker. Uh, We also have additional witnesses that are going to be coming up, including Bill Priestap, uh, Trisha Anderson, and Special Agent Gaynor. So stay tuned. As soon as that stuff is released, I'll bring it to you here. And finally, earlier today, former President George W. Bush made the Freudian slip to end all Freudian slips. He was discussing the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, but he ended up giving away the truth of the invasion of Iraq by himself. Let's go ahead and take a listen. In contrast, Russian elections are rigged. Political opponents are imprisoned or otherwise eliminated from participating in the electoral process. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. (laughs) Iraq, too. Anyway. uh, (laughs) 75. Uh... (laughs) 
here's the and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. At which point George W. Bush realizes what he says, and he, I mean Ukraine. But then did you hear him? He said Iraq too. So he clearly he understands what he did. Uh, the Iraq war was nothing more than a smokescreen to get us into an endless war in the Middle East. It was about oil. It was about continuing to spy on American citizens uh, without that ongoing war and the justification of the continued pursuance of Osama bin Laden, who had nothing to do with 9-11. Uh, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in today. Uh, but again, the entirety of what George W. Bush was saying seemed to be uh, another case of of projection, the elite here in America projecting their own crimes onto the leaders of other nations. That's something that they love to do when it comes to not only Vladimir Putin and other leaders of uh, countries around the world, but also upon the American people. They talk about the racism of the right. Well, it's the Democrats and the left who started the KKK and uh, had a whole bunch of racist policies here in America. Uh, the uh, suppression of elections, the suppression and imprisonment of political enemies. These are all things that happen here in America, and they're all things that are the favorite tactics of the deep state, the Democrat Party, and even plenty of people on the right who refuse to stand up for the rights of those men and women that are imprisoned in Washington, D.C. without due process. This is a perfect example of the people that we are fighting against, and I love it when they give themselves away. All right, friends, that's all I've got for you today. I want to thank everyone for joining me. As always, this has been Red Pill 78. My name is Zach Payne, the Corruption Detector, and this was another edition of Red Pill News. Good luck, everyone, and God bless.